Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Histories always teach us a lot, right? We call them the leading indicator and the lagging indicator. So if you understand to watch the leading indicator, you should kind of be able to predict the lagging and stay ahead of the curve versus being behind the curve. So what I did learn from 08, 09 uh, was that uh, because I was on the mortgage side for the first 15 years, I remember the type of programs and things that was offered back then. Uh, it was bad money and and uh, and no equity. This time around, it's cheap money and there is equity. So it won't be the same, but then there will be some adjustment. A real estate model also shifted because of all of that, right? Uh, at the end of the day, uh, when the market is tough, the real estate professionals start looking because they themselves are CEO of their own businesses. They start looking at the bottom line. They go the, the, the cost and the expenses of running a business, the profitability, how much do they get to keep, and then the value they get for what they pay in. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they learn navigating this ever-changing industry. Before we begin, here's a word from our sponsor. Some things just go together perfectly. PB&J, chocolate, and, well, anything, and real estate agents and independent mortgage brokers. As a real estate agent, you help your home buyers find the perfect home and as your local partner, a mortgage broker can help you also deliver faster closings, lower wholesale rates, and lower monthly payments. So find your perfect partner now at findamortgagebroker.com. Powered by United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 3308. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. So today, I'd like to welcome Long Doan, CEO of Realty Group LLC in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Doan was named a 2022 Real Trends Game Changer for achieving 292% growth by transaction side percentage over the past five years. So welcome. Thank you for having me, Tracy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the evolution of your brokerage. I know that you run a flat fee firm. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about um, your firm, when you founded it, and um, what differentiates you from other flat fee firms? Yeah, so I uh, officially started Realty Group in 2009, but it wasn't until 2014 when uh, my business partner, now Mike Bernie, and I joined up and started to grow the broker as a flat fee firm. So as you know, speaking of evolution, uh, the other industries already gone through it, right? You got Uber. Uh, people still get right. They just do them differently. They now have Uber as an option. Netflix, you know, people still watch movies. Expedia, people still travel. Amazon, people still shop. Now you're seeing a lot of cash-free and touchless uh, with credit card. So every industry has already evolved and, and changed, even though same with real estate. People are still going to buy and sell homes. However, they're going to do it a little bit differently, which means the brokerage models has to also evolve and adjust to accommodate the real estate professionals and the end consumer buyers and sellers. 
So I think that the traditional split model, um, you know, is now seeing a lot of competition. Uh, you know, uh, uh, most recently, Real Trends Game Changers has the top five years movers by transaction for uh, for non um, uh, uh, franchise. So number one was Compass. That's a W two model. You know, you got EXP, which is, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, you know, like a downline residual recruiting model. And then you got traditional flat fee model, which us Realty Group, we made the list of number three. So essentially, we're number one in our space, which is the flat fee model in the last five years. So what differentiates us from most other flat fee model is that we kind of been uh, considered as a hybrid model between the traditional split model and uh, a flat free model because most flat free models uh, do not offer a lot of the stuff except you just park your license here and you're kind of on your own. Whereas we provide a full service, uh, like a split model, but yet we pay 100% uh, on a flat fee. So our model is also unique that we seem to attract and, uh, and retain and, and uh, we align best with people who think and act like a CEO because at the end of the day, you are running a business so we get a lot of experienced agents here. If they're brand new, we have a mentorship program, uh, a requirement they have to go through. Otherwise, for the most part, they're experienced agents and they are productive agents. So that's what differentiates us from other flat fee models. Okay. Yeah, I know, um, you know, the flat fee model is all about volume and number, you know, number of agents. So it's interesting. You've taken more of maybe, a, you know, you could say a REMAX approach, which they are, uh, you know, not technically a flat fee, but they kind of are. I mean, they're a hundred percent. So, so that's interesting. Um, definitely. And so, um, we talked about some of those services that you offer because I'm seeing that that is the wave of the future with a lot of these flat fees. Did you have any venture capital or um, or anything to be able to add these services? Yeah, no, Mike. Mike and I just bootstrap ourselves and and just grow the company. We we you know put back in the money we earn to keep growing the company because we actually are passionate and enjoy about helping other people as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, on an average. Uh, 48 people touches a real estate transaction. It's one of those transactions that are uh, pretty complicated, right? It's the largest financial transactions in most people's lifetime, one of them. So you got you got real estate, of course, which is now you got, usually you represent the buyer or the seller. So you got the other side, <laughs> you know, you got their transaction coordinator touching the transaction. You got mortgage people, you got title, escrow, stager, photographer, mover, you, know, you name it. So it's never been harder to acquire a customer. It's never been, but it's never been easier to have them use your other services. So in our agent-centric model, we treat the agents as our clients. So when they come into us, we want to help them provide all the other services that they that we have vetted out, a trusted relationship that they can use because they're going to get the call. Hey, I need a plumber. Who should I call? You know, I need a mover. I need this. I need that. Well, if they didn't have their own relationship already built, we have uh, them vetted for them to use. So, of course, you know, in the RESPA and CFPB space, real estate, title, escrow, mortgage, insurance, you know, you have to set them up correctly. So we have ownerships in those or JV. Uh, we don't like MSA. Obviously, those are a little tougher to, to justify. And then the non-RESPA one, we don't have MSA, which is a marketing service agreement or an affiliate uh, agreement where... Um, you know, as we help promote them, they do a good job for us. Uh, they will share the revenue with us. 
So in, in a previous interview, we did discuss your ancillary services, and I want to go into more detail about that. Um, you said that you own some of them. You have a JV with some of them and an MSA. So let's go into those specifically. What services do you offer and what is your agreement with those services? Yep. So a uh, title in some state, they have escrow, right? In Minnesota, it was title state. So we own our own title company. Um, so that's a one that we own. Whereas mortgage right now, we have a JV, a joint venture. Uh, we're looking someday, obviously, to grow and own that as well. Because uh, personally, for me, my first 15 years, I was on the mortgage side. And my last 15 uh, in real estate. So uh, so that's a JV right now. But essentially, we'll be uh, our own mortgage broker. Uh, and then we, we have um, uh, uh, had ownership in the insurance company that we're restructuring that. And in the non-RESPA space, we have uh, either more uh, marketing service agreement or an affiliate agreement with, for example, um, we have the CE shop. So, you know, agents who need to get their CE, uh, either licensing requirement or continuing education, we have that. We have with uh, staging company, moving company. So all of those, we have relationship with them as well, where we have an agreement with them that, uh, you know, if, if they do a good job for us, we'll, we'll promote them as one of our preferred vendors. And then if they own the business and they generate revenue because they do a good job, they will share that with us on a certain percentage. Okay. Let's talk specifically title and mortgage capture rates. Obviously, title capture is, is generally higher for most, most brokerages. So um, let's start with title. What, what, is your, what is your capture rate with your title? Yep. So we, we had our own title company only for less than a couple of years now. So we're right now between 30 and 35% capture rate, which is very good for us. And then uh, our goal is to get to about 50%. So that's our title capture rate. Our mortgage is always lower, uh, as you probably know. So we're right around 10%. We'd like to get that to about 20%. Okay. And what are some things you're doing to boost your capture rates with those services, obviously, you know, you do have RESPA concerns and legal concerns. So, so what are some of the things that you're doing that you're fine, that you find are really working? Yep, absolutely. You cannot see anybody obviously put a RESPA. So we don't do that. We don't require agents to use us. However, the way our model is set up, it's a partnership model. They come to us. We're going to help them grow the real estate business. In return, we ask them to give us a shot to grow our other ancillary businesses. So we provide great service and, and, you know, and own the business. So when they start using it, they like it, they're going to return and use us. So we just continue to remind them we're here to help out. Uh, you know, even if they use a different title company and mortgage company, they have questions come to us, we'll still help them because our goal is to give the end consumer the best experience they can have, the buyers and the seller. So if they don't have established relationship already, we would love to own that. So we continually sponsor, educate them, and and uh, provide services that uh, eventually they'll go, okay, you know what? I would like to try you. So what percentage of your title um, is in-house versus you know outside? Being we're a very young company, I would say uh, most of our business right now is still in-house. We will be growing it and getting outside business soon. Okay. And mortgage, I assume, is the same or? Yes, okay. absolutely the same at this point. And you said you're you're have a JV with mortgage, but you're interested in in um, owning. So, what's your path toward that right now? That we'd like to uh, right now. We're growing. Uh, we we have seven offices in Minnesota. We're going to open probably two more by the end of this year. We're also licensed in Wisconsin, and uh, you know we are growing in Florida and Arizona just because the Snowbird State. So we want to get to a certain level of volume before we start going down that path. 
And certain states have different requirements for, you know, either bonded or reserves. So we're exploring all of those options to make sure what's the best one for us. And the key for us is to find the right people in our leadership team to help, you know, start up and grow that portion of our business. Okay. You said you started in 2008. So that was kind of right during the Great Recession. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit since we're kind of enter. Well, we are not kind of we are we're entering definitely a new market. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of concern over interest rates and inflation and um, just a, the general economy. So what did you learn through the last downturn that that you're going to continue to implement or or help you thrive in the new market? Yeah, very good question. Uh, histories always teach us a lot, right? We call them the leading indicator and the lagging indicator. So if you understand to watch the leading indicator, you should kind of be able to predict the lagging and stay ahead of the curve versus being behind the curve. So what I did learn from 08, 09 uh, was that uh, because I was on the mortgage side for the first 15 years, I remember the type of programs and things that was offered back then. Uh, it was bad money and, and, uh, and no equity. This time around, it's cheap money and there is equity. So it won't be the same, but then there will be some adjustment. A real estate model also shifted because of all of that, right? Uh, at the end of the day, uh, when the market is tough, the real estate professionals start looking because they themselves are CEO of their own businesses. They start looking at their bottom line. They go the, the, the cost and the expenses of running a business, the profitability, how much do they get to keep, and then the value they get for what they pay in. Well, that's why we are start seeing the, the, the different models coming out as a W-2, you know, the recruiting residual income model and the flat fee model like us. So uh, I welcome this time around because I learned a lot from last time that now I'm actually going to be aggressively with my, my business partner. We're, we're right now, he's in Florida as we speak. That's why he couldn't join me on this uh, podcast. He's looking for us to open an office in the Fort Myers Cape Coral. We're going to go in there because we know agents in that market, just like our market, are going to start exploring other options. Here's one thing that's pretty interesting. I'm speaking as a broker, of course, because I was an agent myself. Most states will call brokers and there's agents. Some states that's just called real estate brokers, right? So real estate agents and real estate professionals are very funny. They will give the broker no credit for their success, but give them the blame for their failure, right? If the market gets tough, they're going to blame the broker. So most likely they want to explore the option of a different broker to see if they can help them grow. But well, we want to be that option for them that can help them grow. And that's the mentality we have. So we're actually going to be uh, seeing some more explosive growth during this downtime. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, well-run brokerages generally gain market share during downturns. So, um, you know, I feel like you're, you're positioning yourself for that. And I, is, not only that, though, but because you're a flat fee firm, and I assume it's a transaction fee that you charge, or do you charge a desk fee as well? Or, yep. So the way our model is set up um, is uh, we have a subscription base, uh, and, um, which is a hundred dollars a month, and we call them uh, a cost sharing because everything we offer them is a full service broker. So it would cost them thousand dollars a month for them to have their own CRM website, you know, all the support. So for us, everyone chips in hundred bucks, and then we get five ninety five broker fee, uh, commission fee uh, in our market and most market that's paid by the end consumer, the buyers and sellers pays that, and then the agent keep one hundred percent. So you know uh, what we learned from the last downturn to this one, just to add to that is we're in the people business. So at the end of the day, we believe what we call the culture code. 
So um, most people want to belong to an organization or a company, you know, they, they follow the culture code. Number one is they want to feel safe. So when they come to be with you, they want to feel safe. Well, our 100% model kind of fulfill that safe one. We're not going to take advantage of you. You know, you do good business. We just want to capture our uh, nominal fee and you get to keep 100%. You want to feel connected. You know, Mike and I, we have stories that, uh, you know, we came from nothing. We, we're here now. We can do it. You can do it. They feel connected to us and they, they believe that we would lead them, which is number three, with share vision. We would lead them to where they want to go. So our, our model, we focus a lot on the people. Uh, but uh, financially, uh, I don't know anyone can compete with us at $100 a month and $5.95 for every transaction they close. Let's take a quick break to talk about the real trends gathering of eagles. Hi, real estate leaders. It's Tracy Velt, editorial director of Real Trends. And I wanted to take a moment to highlight uh, two upcoming events that we have running back to back. The first one is on June 26th. It's our Deal Makers Conference. And this is not just for real estate leaders who are interested in buying or selling a company. This really speaks to profitability and how to um, build a brokerage with value. We'll also talk about some trends in the merger and acquisition and brokerage valuation business. Um, Steve Murray is hosting the event, and we've got some great speakers for you. Immediately following that is our annual gathering of Eagles, which will run on June 27th through the 28th. This event is for real estate leaders, association executives, um, your entire C-suite, as well as team leaders. And we've got some some great speakers and topics where we're covering everything from mortgages entry into real estate to recruiting and evolving business models, highlighting some of the different business models that are are your competitors today. We've also are looking into improving capture rates of core services, talking about managing relationships with top teams, and we've got more. In addition, Larry Kendall is our keynote speaker. And in addition to his keynote, he's doing a special ninja workshop. It's a limited um, audience, so it's first come, first serve. So we'd love to have you register for the Gathering of Eagles. Again, it's at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs, June 26th through the 29th. The 26th is our Dealmakers Conference. It's a separate registration from the Gathering of Eagles. You can find out everything by going to realtrends.com and clicking on the Events tab. Thanks so much and hope to see you there. And now back to the podcast. And um, I, we didn't talk about your story. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about how you came to, um, you know, the United States? Yeah, I mean, just a quick, uh, you know, shortened version. Um, during the Vietnam War, when the American left, you know, my father uh, was arrested into re-education camp because back then, if you educated, he was a professor. So he was arrested when I was eight years old. I didn't see him again until I was uh, 32 years old. Wow. So, uh, um, I was the oldest of three. My mom was working two jobs to support us. I left Vietnam when I was 13 years old by myself as a boat person. And uh, a lot of people remember the boat people, right? I uh, I made it to refugee camp after my third try. And where I was at in, in uh, uh, Wikipedia page, it was considered Hell Island, the most heavily populated place on earth at that time. 
was one of 40,000 people, Tracy, in the size of a football field with not very terrible uh, living condition because I was an orphan. I was by myself at 13, and I had a sponsor who's my uncle, my dad's brother, who lived in Minnesota. That's how I ended up here in Minnesota. He sponsored me, so I was only there for about nine months. There are people there four to five years, right? So, uh, you know, and and uh, I made it to America. I lived with him. And then my younger brother, who's four years younger than me, believe it or not, also made the same trek. He ended up in Indonesia. My refugee camp was in Malaysia. It was less than 50% chance. So we were both very lucky. He came over. Um, uh, I moved out. Uh, I worked three jobs, went to school of university. I raised him from eighth grade to, uh, to, uh, to high school. And then I got into mortgages and again to real estate. But what I do share a lot is uh, um, I call it my why, right? Because at the end of the day, it's all about uh, mindset. And that's something that I can talk about a little bit later too. But we focused a lot of those training to our agents here at Realty Group. But at the end of the day, it's all about the mindset and about your why. And I didn't discover this until much later. But the first night I was at the refugee camp, um, because I finally made it, I think it hit me, you know, um, I found a spot on, 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 on the beach and I remember crying all night. It's the first time as a 13 year old boy, I emotionally cried because I realized that I actually made it. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, am I lucky or am I unlucky? You know, <laughs> am I lucky that I made it or am I unlucky that everybody I knew was on the other side of the ocean? I'll probably never see him again. And I was told my job was if I made it, figured out how to take care of myself and then take care of my family back then. Well, 13-year-old boy, that's a lot of pressure, right? Yeah. So I remember crying all night until the sun was coming up and people started waking up. And I remember telling myself that just put your big boy pants on and go to work because I decided that I was a victor, not a victim. I actually was lucky, not unlucky. And your mind is, is powerful. When you decide something, you're right, right? No matter which decision you make. Mm-hmm. So, uh, f- uh, But I did remember how I felt that whole night, feeling hopeless, helpless, what am I going to do? I don't know anybody here. I'm 13 years old, you know, and let alone trying to take care of everybody over there. So I never want anyone to feel the way I felt that night. And that's my why. So I'm very passionate about helping others, you know, do well and take care of themselves and their family and real estate. And my broker is the platform for me to do that. Okay. That, I mean, you have a fascinating story. I'd like to talk to you about it in more depth in another interview, um, but it really leads into my next question, which is um, your agent retention and and some things that you're doing to help your agents be more productive. Um, what type of training and, um, and, and do you follow any particular um, coaches? Yes. So uh, Mike Bernier and myself, were both uh, real estate coaches with a company called Club Wealth. So we've been with them for several years now. So we really enjoy doing that. But we focus mostly coaching our own agents. Mm-hmm. So we call it more consulting than coaching because in our model, we don't hold them accountable. So we offer consultation to help them with their business to grow. But our training, besides the typical um, you know, real estate training, which is how-to and all this other stuff, we focus a lot on mindset. We actually brought in a program called My Steady Mind, which is designed by a, a, a gentleman who, who did it for SWAT team and uh, Navy SEALs and, you know, uh, uh, ER surgeon, high stress situation. When we share with them that 48 people touch a real estate transaction, how hard it is for, for an agent to hold a deal together. It's very stressful, right? One of the most stressful industry. So he created a program for us because he believed that uh, mindset is everything and the mental health. Okay, so we all know about physical health, right, and financial health. I mean, there's a way to measure that KPI and and the process of getting there. You want to get better, you go on a diet, you go to workout. 
But mental health, there's no way for people to learn and measure their progress. So either you're mentally ill or no one knows that you're in trouble, right? Yeah. So, uh, so we focus a lot on that training to help an agent understand and have technique to be mentally stronger so that you can succeed more because no matter all the things we teach them the how to, if they have the right mindset, they don't execute anyway, right? Uh, so, so, so for example, one of the, the, the lesson would be, um, you know, an egg versus a, a tennis ball. Well, if you drop an egg, it breaks, you drop a tennis ball, bounce up. We want to talk about resiliency. So we talk to them a lot about if you got an appraisal that came back low, you got an inspection came back with 10 you know, items, you're already blown up thinking the deal is dead, right? You're getting all this call. How do you, you know, the reading technique. So we focus a lot of those trainings. So when COVID hit, we actually uh, succeeded and our agent actually ended up doing better because of those type of training. They were mentally stronger and ready for anything. Okay, great. I want to talk to you about opportunities for brokerage leaders in the coming year. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about now's the time to really gain market share, um, but the industry is constantly evolving and, and there's a definitely a focus on consumer services through brokerage, um, even though the agents are your ultimate customer, client, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, the, the consumers are also very important and obviously those services improve what your agent has to offer. So where do you see the most opportunity for brokerage leaders in the next year? Yes, just, just again, identify what all the challenges are because it's different all the time, right? Because remember what worked for us three years ago may not work this year because Mm -hmm. the challenges are different. So as leaders and brokers in your industry, in your market, you need to identify those challenges and and provide solutions. So with that being said, besides being competitive, which you need to be, you got to be innovative because when you're innovative, you don't have competition because if you're the first one or someone who figured that out, you have less competition to deal with. So I think just be innovative on what you provide to the end consumers. And you have two sets of customers or consumers, right? As a broker, your buyers and sellers and your agents. So don't forget that you service both and make sure that you're innovative uh, besides just being competitive in all of those areas. Okay, great. And um, one one question I, I actually skipped, but I think is important is that, you know, I think that a lot of agents are are getting very concerned. They're a little overwhelmed. Um, you know, they're seeing price more price reductions. They're seeing inventory tick up. Um, what are you? What message are you giving to these agents? And you know, you talk about mindset. So, what are you doing to help them prepare for a different market that, than they've had? It's a people business, so it's about relationship, right? So, just like during the COVID. We, we had lots of Zoom meetings to calm our agents down, to lead them through, because as brokers and leaders in our market, when it's an easy market, everyone can lead, right? <laughs> but it's, it's a tough market and a changing market where you got to step up and really lead uh, you know, your agents because they look to you for that. That's why they're with you. So yeah. I would highly encourage people to continue to focus on people. That's your agents. And then encourage your agent to focus on the SOI. So during covid uh, they, uh, we, we encourage them to reach out to everyone just to check in, say, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Everything's all right. You know, and obviously during that time, everyone was at home. So the connectivity rate was like 500%. So people actually want to pick up the phone and talk to somebody versus just talking to kids all day. So all of those things actually ended up helping our agents do more business today. They would do, oh, wait a minute, my cousin looking to sell the house. So what should they do? So 
As a result, during the tough, tough time like this, don't forget that your community is looking to you as a real estate professional, as a leader, to lead them through all those challenges. So don't just try to sell all the time. Reach out and check in with them and, and offer assistance and be there for them. That's what uh, everyone needs to do is just remember what your motivation, your focus, your time is and spend the time uh, doing it. So I believe that's that's why uh, we would highly encourage our agents to do and others. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships are so important. And, um, you know, just even working your sphere. I, I know one of the coaches I talked to, um, Donna Stott, basically says you need 150 people in your sphere and you need to be, re- you know, connecting with them on a continuous basis. So, yeah, that's great advice for sure. And obviously, we talked about some changes in the brokerage environment, but is there any change that would cause you to add new services? <laughs> Um, I think, again, just being staying ahead of the curve, I mean, commission compression is here and it's here to stay, right? Uh, the end consumer is constantly now questioning the value of what the real estate professional are, are, are providing to them. So, um, you know, uh, the way we operate, we have to be there to become, our model is unique is that when an agent runs their business as CEO of their own business, when they come to us, our job is to help them grow their business. And each agent, many of them have different challenges. Some need more like an operation behind them. So we become their, like their, C, uh, their COO, chief operating officer. Okay, we provide this technology. We provide this process system for you to implement in your business. Some just need some consultation. So we help with coaching and consult them, you know, and some just want to, to have a, a, a different model. So I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the how brokers operate their business need to constantly be ready to, to change and adjust. Because what again, what works for you in the last three, five, 10 years will not work anymore. So that's uh, what I would highly encourage everyone to start taking a look at your model and see how you can improve. I think the flat fee, like we are, or potentially the hourly model might come into play. You know, we may become like the attorney or the consultant where we charge by the hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you have to run your business smarter. You don't want to show a buyer 40 homes anymore. Now is when you leverage and educate them on, look at Google map, look at video, look at pictures. Now, if you like them enough to make an offer, now we actually go maybe physically see it. Now, even virtual showing is getting popular. Yeah, for sure. Um, My last question is just what's next for your brokerage? Yes. uh, You know, as we keep growing and, 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 you know, and we are starting to make some noise out there with, with people starting to look at us. So our challenge has been and continue to be, we're getting better and better. That is, it's too good to be true. That's too good to be true. How can you give all this stuff and be, you know, and and and, and pay 100%. So our competition are constantly uh, kind of attacking us a little bit by, by calling us a discount brokerage. The only discount we give is to the agents, not to the end consumer, right? They're still getting all the service they need. So, um, on the down market, as you said, we are going to gain market share with exponential growth. We're going to expand and scale in Minnesota. We're going to add two to four more offices uh, within the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. But also in Minnesota, we get the snowboard states in Florida and Arizona. So we're, we're expanding Florida now, Arizona soon, Colorado, Tennessee. Our vision statements will be the top five brands in all 50 states. I know it's pretty audacious, but, uh, you know, we've been doing it. And it's just it's, continue to help change life, you know, both for our agents and our end consumers. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast and congratulations on being named a 2022 Game Changer. 
Thank you for having me, Tracy. I'm, I'm excited. To, and I will be at the Real Trend event, a gathering of egos. I love to network with all the successful people and learn from them as well. Yes, I will see you there. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.